Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. Uh, anyway, in the meantime, we have in the studio with us Fanula Jones, Deirdre Malumbi, and Jean Smullen. Four movies and booze. Good afternoon to you all. Hi, guys. Yeah, so, uh, Jean, uh, we'll kick off with you. What are we talking about? Today? I've got uh, two brand, really two new wines. Be Live, which is organic. It's, you know, it's from Chile and uh, it's all, it's, you know, modern packaging, light bottles, all that sort of thing. And then, and it's kind of very much, you know, um, aimed at a younger generation. And then we have uh, Yellowtail, which is a very popular brand. They have a premium wine called Pepper Pepper Box and it's a Shiraz and it's the next level up. So it's, it's you know, for food made of so kind of a food wine. OK, all right. Uh, and uh, the the two movies today, Georgia, couldn't be more different to each other. Very, very different. Yes, we have Femme, which is getting a limited cinema release. Uh, this is kind of a taut thriller, uh, revenge thriller specifically, uh, which is um, about what a man kind of goes about doing after uh, he is the victim of a homophobic attack. And the second movie we're talking about, Candy Cane Lane, this is actually a prime video release, which is kind of the latest, I suppose, direct-to-streaming uh, Christmas movie. Movie, uh, which stars Eddie Murphy. Right. What was the last thing he was in? Because I, 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 I think he's uh, Beverly Hills Cop is coming back. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. So he is co- he is doing a fourth Beverly Hills uh, Cop movie. But we were just saying there, he recently did this Netflix movie with Jonah Hill where he plays kind of the oh, dad in those. Yes, so that's probably yes, the last yeah, movie. Is it called one. You People? I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah. People, yeah. It wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, all right. Yeah. 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 So, okay. All right. So okay. he's kind of around the place, uh, and this is just a Christmassy thing. Yeah, it? it's kind of a Christmassy, you know, family movie. There, there's so many of these movies out now. Oh God, yeah. I don't know. Like nuts. they knock them out. It must take two weeks to film them in <laughs> June or whatever, and then and then they go about their business. It's yeah, yeah. It it just feels like since streaming started, it doesn't take as long to even make a movie anymore. Yeah. But I mean, you're getting these movies like year upon year upon year. It's not like, you know, the streaming service has its kind of one or two go to uh, Christmas movies and mm. then they kind of show them year after year. They're literally streaming out all of these new movies again and again and again. It's yeah. kind of mad. Yeah, uh, it is kind of mad. Right. I, but something I think we're worth checking out, uh, a, a Trump biopic. Yes. Starring Sebastian Stan. He's going from Tommy Lee to Donald Trump, if you could believe that. Uh, yeah, this is coming soon. It's The Apprentice from Iranian filmmaker Ali Abbasi. Um, so Sebastian Stan is playing like a young, uh, young Donald Trump, kind of his his early years, built as an exploration of power and ambition set in a world of corruption and deceit. That's the logline. In terms of other people signed up, we have uh, my favourite eldest boy from Succession, Jeremy Strong. He is said to have a significant role in this. I don't think it's confirmed who he's playing. And then Maria Baklova, who was seen most recently, probably, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, she is tapped to play uh, Trump's first wife, Ivana. So not sure when we'll get this, maybe late next year. I'm not sure how much people want this. And I know maybe the casting, I think, as well. Sebastian Stan, potentially surprising. But you kind of look at him. He does kind of look like Trump when he was younger, a small bit. Mm. I can see it. Like, I can see it. He's far too good looking. I mean, it's like the whole, like, <laughs> Dominic West casting in The Crown. It's like, okay, I think you're being very generous. Oh, yes. Generosity. Yes. Yeah. season there. You do, yeah. yeah, 100%. And this is, this is just looking at Trump's early days where, you know, he scraped up from being a mere multimillionaire uh, into being uh, bankrupt several times. Yes, essentially, yeah. yeah. His efforts to build his real estate business in New York in the 70s, 80s, uh, his relationship with infamous attorney Roe Cohn. It's not getting into presidency 
the more recent Trump, any of that. I don't know when the timeline ends, but I don't think we're touching yeah, out of the bar. There'll probably be nods in that direction of, you know, this is this is where it all starts. Intense foreshadowing, yeah, I'd say yeah. so. I'd well, say so. Uh, uh, and uh, Beyonce's film is out today. Yes. That's uh, the latest tour film. Renaissance, yeah. yes. Um, she's told fans they should dance, cry, laugh, sing along uh, at the London premiere. Um, I'm very excited to watch this. Uh, it's different to the Taylor Swift one in the sense that it's not just a straight concert film. You're kind of getting a look behind the scenes. I know one kind of headline that's been being picked up everywhere is for people that are unfamiliar, Beyonce's daughter, Blue Ivy, was a dancer as part of the tour. Mm-hmm. And initially she came under a lot of fire for not necessarily being a very good dancer. Um, but we see in the movie how she <laughs> she used that as motivation to become better and, you know, okay. her very motivators and all that jazz. So now that. she's a mediocre dancer. Um, or, I mean, no. I leave that up to the... I haven't seen the tour and I haven't seen the film. So right. when I see okay. it, I'll, I'll report back. Okay, maybe that's the bit you're supposed to cry at. Yeah, uh, potentially. I, I don't really know. And she actually... She, she released new music to yes. coincide with the release of there the film. There was a new song came out today. It's called uh, My House. Queen of the Surprise Drops. She's... She's flat out, so yeah. But again, it's going to be this thing of now the tour made. We're talking millions, but it'll be interesting to see how much money the film takes in. Especially, it's going to be inevitably compared to yeah, the Taylor Swift concert film. Is, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I know a lot of people that have booked tickets, so I would say it will be as successful, if not. I suppose maybe more, it's cute enough, though, on the run up to Christmas, people would you know be going out anyway. They might combine going to that with something else. Yeah, and again, yeah. I mentioned this before. She obviously didn't bring the tour here, so I know a lot of Irish fans are going to go. There were no music videos released with this album, so I think mm. there's an element of that as well. Like, will we see elements of that in it? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So, what uh, wine are we going to talk about okay. first, Jane? Uh, the first wine is the 2022 B Live uh, Sauvignon Blanc, 11.99. Now it's available in Spar, Eurospar, Mace. Lundus uh, nationwide. It's made from organic grapes. It's certified vegan. It's carbon neutral, sustainably produced. So basically we're ticking all the boxes here. Um, obviously aimed at a younger consumer. Um, it has sustainable packaging. But to be honest with you, I've been working with Chile for since the, I first started working with them in 2000. And I first visited there in 2002. And long before everybody started jumping on the green bandwagon, Chile actually was one of the, was genuinely one of the most um, sustainable wine producing countries in the world. It, it's never been infected by phylloxera. Mm. Um, you've got the Andes on one side and the Pacific Ocean on the other side. So, um, you know, and a perfect Mediterranean climate. So most of the vineyards are planted kind of uh, east to west in, in valleys. So, you know, I mean, what's the point of buying, buying chemicals to spray on plants when you don't have to have when to. everything's yeah, perfect? So yeah. it's actually always had very strong green credentials. Um, but now, obviously, you know, they're, they're emphasising that. Um, this is, um, you know, basically a brand, you know, and there's a lot of them and the Irish consumer likes to drink them and they like to buy them. Um, it, it ticks all the boxes and then it's made from Sauvignon Blanc. They have four, they have four wines in the... Um, uh, they have a rosé, they have a Cabernet Sauvignon, they have um, the organic um, Sauvignon Blanc, sorry, they have three wines in the... In, in the I don't know they have a blended wine, a blended red as well. I knew there was four wines. So basically, um, it yeah, it, organic, vegan and um, Sauvignon Blanc, right? Now, this is actually, Chile does Sauvignon Blanc really well. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, it's not your New Zealand, it's not all asparagus and um, kind of tomato leaf, but you've got, you know, nice kind of tropical notes on the nose there and then When you try it, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Fresh, lively acidity, mm-hmm. reasonably mm-hmm. priced and um, lots of green credentials. Yeah. So 
Sorry, I'm, I'm salivating. I just do. Yeah, um, there was, it's, so it's it does, a, yeah, it affects the taste buds, all right. Does, yeah. Like, does uh, Sauvignon Blanc from that part of the world differ from what you might get in Europe, in kind of in a general sense? Um, it, well, it, not, it's, it's, the European um, Sauvignons tend not to be as aromatic. The fruit for the New World styles, like from New Zealand and Chile, tend mm. to be much more fruit forward in style, right? So, um, warmer climates and, um, you know, the, the home of the Sauvignon Blanc is the Loire and you've got um, chalk soil there. So Sauvignon in places like Puy Fume or um, Sancerre, Sauvignon grown on the chalk soil is much more edgy. It's much more, um, it, the quality is there. That, that's the home of Sauvignon Blanc. That's where some of the best Sauvignon in the world comes from. Um, but they'll, they'll grow Sauvignon down in the south of France um, mm. as a varietal and it won't, it won't be that dissimilar to the New World Sauvignons right. you get. Right, okay. So, um, but, you know, if, when, if you're looking for really premium, edgy Sauvignon that's got that lovely minerality and, you know, the goutte de terroir, as the French call it, then Sancerre and Puy Fume are definitely worth looking at because that is, to me, the, one of the greatest expressions. But New Zealand, who only really started to put Sauvignon on the map since 1986, produces its own very flavorful style and to be honest with you most people prefer the more fruit forward um flavorful New Zealand style that's become very much the go-to sauvignon but the for you know sheer class and edginess you, you, you the the Loire sauvignons are absolutely wonderful you know yeah but probably 10 times the price um not really. It depends. I mean, there's premium um, Sauvignons from New Zealand, and they can be quite pricey as well. You know, it, and, and again, it's if, if you've got a really like if you if you look at places like in North Island Gimlet's gravels, where you know the soil affects the Sauvignon that's grown there, and you're getting that edginess because of the 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 terroir of the mm. area in New Zealand where they're growing that wine. And uh, you know, it's all about the, the where the vineyard is. The winemaking, the quality, it's, you know, there's mass produced and the wines we have today are pretty much our brands and they are volume produced wines. But there's also small specialist consumers, farmers making really, really edgy wines um, from grapes that are native to the region where they're grown. And they're some of the most fantastic wines in the world. Indeed. Aideen, uh, uh, who's an analyst, says, read this morning that Beyonce reveals that she had a knee operation weeks before the tour started. How did she go from a knee operation to dancing in heels? I have a work dinner tomorrow night and I'm dreading wearing heels in the cold and ice. <laughs> now, I will say there's a large, like at the start of the tour, because I think that's when, or roughly around after the fact she had the knee surgery, she isn't doing a lot of dancing and they kind of did a lot to disguise that like she's oh, floating around really? now okay. she does she certainly dances more throughout the tour but mm. yeah initially she's like floating on a horse and it's very kind of smoke and mirrors as Beyonce is so don't feel too bad okay uh, alright well you know yeah, she's human like anyone else yeah. um, uh, someone else says Guys Taylor was at the Beyonce movie premiere last night in London talk about two icons yeah Queen supporting Queens okay who is Guys Taylor <laughs> no as in sorry Taylor Swift I think oh, they, right. I think, okay, I think they sorry. Guys, guys comma. comma. You see, that's why. So you have yeah. a capital G, capital G. I'm just some, somebody called Guys Taylor I've never heard of. This is why people need to learn English properly. Punctuation is key. Punctuation yeah. is key. And uh, the Trump drama sounds like the crown for Yanks. <laughs> Perfect. No, oh, no, I'm no, tempted no. to make so many tasteless jokes about that, but I will restrain myself. Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk.
this like this is like your MO. My MO. <laughs> Dinner dates with boys in men's saunas. <laughs> nah, not usually. Okay. So what makes me so special? I'll have to get back to you on that one. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. I know I'm just I'm just trying to work out what the vibe is here. What do you mean? I'm not imagining double dates with your friends anytime soon. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> you keep this side of your life completely separate. I'm a private person. I don't like people getting in my business. Right, that's uh, Femme. It has a limited movie uh, uh, release uh, at the moment. Uh, Deirdre, you know the way, like, there used to be kind of a, a familiar action movie trope that mm. some, somebody would do something bad to your family and then the hero was given permission then thematically to kill everyone else. So it was kind of a revenge fantasy. Is this now a, a gay version of this? Is this the gay version of Taken almost? That, that I don't think so, no, because I wouldn't really describe it so much as an action movie, as a drama, I suppose, like a kind of thriller drama type. Um, to give you an idea of the, you know, synopsis, what kind of story we're looking at here, uh, we're following the character of Jules, who um, enjoys performing in drag um, in his alternate persona, who is called Aphrodite. And then one night after one of his shows, he kind of goes out still dressed in drag um, and he's basically jeered at by a gang of aggressive young men and eventually attacked by them. So weeks later, Jules's life and career has completely fallen apart. But then one night he goes out to a gay sauna and there he sees one of the men, Preston, uh, who's played by George McKay, and he kind of hatches this plan uh, for revenge, essentially. So it's a really interesting film because it's really kind of hooked in on these two performances uh, because they kind of start this relationship with one another. Um, Preston obviously doesn't recognise that Jules is Aphrodite, who Mm. was who he, you know, attacked a number of weeks ago. So it's just a lot about the ambiance and the performances, I would say. And it's just it's really kind of tense. It's really quite taut. Um, Jules kind of starts to really infiltrate his way into Preston's life. He kind of starts performing as this similar kind of aggressive, hyper-masculine thug and he starts hanging out with like Preston's friends and stuff like this. Preston is obviously, you know, a a closeted uh, gay man Mm -hmm. and uh, Jules's plan is basically to kind of out him through revenge porn, which is quite a dark storyline, you know, in and of itself. Um, And it's just really interesting kind of the twists and turns that this story takes. Right. And it's uh, it's, set, it's all set in London. It's all set in London. Yeah. And it's very, it's very cute, few kind of sets. Um, it's really just about like that story and that um, atmosphere and everything. And it's, it's, it's quite a like powerful movie and it's really quite emotional as well. I kind of think that the core theme that we're looking at here is performing masculinity because you've got Jules who, you know, is performing in drag and then he's performing, um, you know, in front of Preston's friends. And Preston himself is obviously, you know, performing in front of his friends because mm. he is secretly closeted. So, it's just really quite like fascinating. Um, I will say this as a warning, you know, this is obviously going to be for a more mature audience because there are quite a lot of um, intimate gay scenes in this film. Um, and it's interesting even the the trajectory that they take because they start as quite rough and almost there's something violent to them, but they do become increasingly vulnerable and emotional and touching. And it's just it's just absolutely fascinating uh, the direction in which this story goes. It's it The movie tracks in at about 90 to 100 minutes and okay. it's just the right length. Yeah. Uh, low budget, just really exceptionally well-made movie, I would say. Uh, yeah. And uh, and the, the fellow who was Aphrodite, the, the, mm-hmm. does he have people around him saying, what are you doing? Do they know yeah. he's he's kind of 
going ahead with his plan because it sounds like he's getting sucked into it more and more. Yeah, no, no, not at all. What's interesting is like Jules um, and Aphrodite are kind of very much um, integrated into, I suppose, the gay community. But after he's attacked, he really kind of starts to isolate himself away from them. And as he, you know, goes on this obsessive lone pursuit to take revenge, he really kind of further and further isolates himself from his friends, even though they're like, we're trying to be there for you. We don't understand what's going on. So it's just, mm. it's really quite layered. And I just, I I thought it was really quite original and, and probably one of the best movies I've seen so far this year, I yeah. would say. Yeah, okay, all right. I well, know we're coming to the end of the year, but yeah. there haven't been a lot of great ones, let's okay, be honest. Well, that, no, it, that's the best time to say one of the best movies exactly. of the year rather than saying it in January, when it's meaningless, obviously. Very true. Uh, and th- th- it has a limited cinema release, but does that mean it's going to be on a streamer sometime in the near future? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So when I say limited cinema, I think you have to like look up exactly what cinemas are showing it. So from what what I saw, it's showing in Cineworld, and I think. Omniplex Wrath Minds. So I suppose what usually happens with this movies is if they prove very popular, they kind of spread out to more cinemas. Um, but it's always hard to say exactly what um, platform it's eventually going to end up on. But I would recommend if you can see it on the big screen, do. Okay. All right. Is it very cinematic? I think so. Yeah. 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 Because you, you really want to kind of all immerse yourself in that world. Like you don't want to be, you know, kind of streaming it and half being on your phone and stuff like that, you know, because yeah. it is all about the ambience. Isn't that funny? Like you got, <laughs> if it's on a TV screen, you have permission to look at your phone and not pay but attention to do it. That. Yeah. They do do that. Well, they could just try concentrating and using commas. <laughs> you know, there's two, two, lots of useful information today. Uh, Texer says Beyonce and Taylor overrated queens. Boring. Ooh. Yawn. Yawn. Gosh. Get a new take, please. Yeah. For 2024. Boring. Uh, Cormac says, my father-in-law is a big fan of New Zealand Sauv Blanc, uh, so we got him uh, grey whack and three woolly sheep in the past, which have gone down well. Has Wine Lady got a recommendation for something that's similar, but different enough to make it look like I did a bit of research? Yeah. Well, Grey Wacky, Kevin Judd, who was the man who invented Cloudy Bay and put New Zealand on the map, that is a brilliant, brilliant wine. Um, if he's uh, talking from um, New Zealand, um, I mean, Gimlet's Craggy Range, one of the, you know, icon, but doesn't come cheap. Um, and they're in North Island and uh, they make a whole range of different uh, grape varieties, but their Sauvignons are pretty good. You know, even though most people associate Sauvignon with Marlborough, which is on South Island, but I, I think some of the wines from Gimlet Gravels, it's they're, they're dried riverbeds from ancient times. Oh, and gosh, when you plant yeah. the grapes on them, they really, really make the wines um, absolutely sing. And Craggy, I visited there in 2011. It's an amazing place and the winemaking is brilliant. So yeah, uh, but, but you know, um, it won't come cheap, but it's, uh, if, uh, you know, if the relative loves that, then that's a good one to go for. Yeah, there you go, Cormac, if you really want to suck up to, uh, to the father-in-law. Now, could it be... We're coming to the end of an era. Uh, Bob uh, Bob Iger in Disney says uh, there's maybe too many sequels. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. He was he was speaking this week about kind of the failure of the recent uh, the Marvels movie. So that mm. was like a sequel to Captain Marvel, and it brought in the Disney Plus series as well. But this was, was a good couple of years between uh, the Marvels and the original Captain Marvel. Basically, it's like one of the least successful Marvel cinematic. Uh, universe films ever I don't think it crossed uh, I think it was the first Mar- uh, MCU movie to not cross 100 million dollars globally which is like it's gas that that's considered a flop but it is in the Marvel universe um, so he was speaking about the fact that the, you know it was made during Covid and there was a lack of supervision on set whatever while also acknowledging that you know 
there's a lot of sequels out at the minute and maybe that had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he's also said that they're not going to stop making sequels, but he said it's not going to be like money motivated. There has to be a reason for a sequel to be made and stuff like that. I'm not sure. I well, kind money of is the reason, I thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'd like, well, you know, there's the whole with building on the story and stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, it comes back to that thing of like, can we just go back to original stories? And I suppose making sure there's enough time between stuff and exact like I, making sure there's enough of a story to carry on a story like it's mm. difficult with the Marvels and I think it speaks to a wider picture of I don't think it's sequel fatigue I think it was like Marvel superhero fatigue and I think the issue with Captain Marvel was as well I think like a lot of people didn't like that movie for reasons that were probably misogynistic if we're going to be honest and Maybe. Brie yeah, Larson yeah. and all that jazz um, I think that was a factor as well. But yeah, he said, doesn't mean we're not going to continue to make sequels. We're making a number of them right now. As a matter of fact, we will only green light a sequel if we believe the story that the creators uh, wants to tell is worth telling. So, I mean... Yeah, but how many times can you save the universe? I mean, they keep, you know, upping the ante. Uh, you know, they, uh, so, so that like relative threats become kind of, well, that's it. You're only fa- fighting one space monster. The one in the last film was kill the entire universe or whatever. Yeah. So you can't really keep going that way, really. The stakes just don't feel as high. Even as someone who, like, I would not consider myself a huge Marvel superhero person, but, like, I'm not against them. I do watch them occasionally. But even now, I I can't even find myself buying into the hype of them at all. Like, I'm just... I mean, Marvel has taken over TV now as well as movies. People are just exhausted by product after product. And like, I I admittedly have seen most of the movies on TV and even I'm getting a bit like fed up. And the movies are just so generic. They feel so kind of, you know, just hashed out the same formula over and over. Like at least in the TV space, they seem to be trying to do something a little more creative. But I'm I'm not too surprised that they're just not getting the same box office return that they used to. And I think since Endgame as well, Mm. because the whole idea was they made 30 movies that built up to this one big movie. Like nobody sees anything that this is building up towards anymore. So it's kind of like, what's the point? point, Yeah, I mean, if like, isn't that like half the universe died or something like that at the end of it? Not to be a spoiler, but like (laughs) you you can't top that in any subsequent Mm, film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Really. Also as well, is it it Bob Iger trying to save his ass? Because isn't he the one who spent all the money yes. buying all these franchises. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's blaming all sequels as opposed to Marvel. You know, it's all sequels fault. And it's like, well, sequels are still some of the highest grossing, you know, box office movies. They're just not your sequels. Mm. Yeah. You know? But then again, at the same time, if like he's the one who bought all the, uh, and they're kind of built on sequels and that money, that's money that could have been used to make other movies yeah. that are standalone, nothing to do with people wearing their underpants on the outside movies. Yeah. 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 Uh, can you please uh, tell me the name of the gay movie you talked about? Thanks. Femme. <laughs> it's called Femme uh, is the name of it. Uh, someone says, I think, uh, I think I missed a discussion on the Beyonce film. Is it worth seeing? I used to be a big fan, but she started to ring a bit hollow to me since she started crossing picket lines. I tried to get to it. Unfortunately, there were no press screenings. So it was just out today. So mm. I don't know how many people have seen it at this stage. Yeah, I, I will be seeing it. So I will report back. But I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen many reviews either. I know, again, a lot of the coverage was around the the Blue Ivy of it all and stuff like that. But, yeah. Um, if you're a Beyonce fan, you love it. Beyond that, I'm not really sure. Like, I don't know how much it actually reveals. And obviously she's an executive producer or whatever, so how far back is she pulling the curtain? I mean, only yeah, as much as it suits her narrative, you know, so. Does, and has she crossed uh, uh, picket lines? I'm not 
sure what she's referring to there, but uh, hopefully not, because that would upset me quite a lot. But um, look, yeah. Beyonce is also a woman of controversy, you know, like uh, courts this massive LGBTQ plus fan base and then performs for billions and squillions of dollars in countries in where Middle it's... Eastern countries, Middle yes, Eastern countries yeah. where it's uh, illegal to be gay, you know, yeah. so I mean... yeah. I get uh, the critiques, I get the uh, The film has got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, apparently. But which we, is, of course, beyond reproach yes. in terms of the, yeah. uh, as a source for yeah. the quality of films. Uh, what will Jamie Lynn Spears be doing next now that she's left I'm a Celebrity, Brian wants to know. Um, continuing <laughs> to profit off of her sister's name, probably somewhere else. Just at home, sitting on the couch, probably. She was never going to stay in. That was, I would, wouldn't be surprised if that was some kind of deal set in stone uh, prior to her going in. But it seems kind of mad because she did a week and a half. There's a part of me that's just like, you could have done one more week and, you know, saved mm. some grace. Because she actually see I don't want to say she was coming across well, but she was coming across better than I think people expected her to. Okay. Um. So part of me wonders, like, why didn't you just kind of suck it up and stay till the end? But I imagine because it's very unpleasant or uncomfortable. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. That probably was a, you know, she Unpleasant got so much money for 10 days. For know. a lot of moolah, though, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. She was probably keen to spell, uh, spend the moolah. Mm. Uh, and Jodie Foster hates superhero movies. Yeah. Uh, on, Just like on this topic, yeah. Two of them. She's, yeah. I didn't realise this, but she seems to be getting Oscar buzz for a Netflix movie she did this year that I heard. <gasps> She's very good in it. But Nyad. I've heard nothing about this. Nyad. Yeah, it's like, it's, what is it about? So it's, it's. I forget the name of, God, the swimmer like escapes my mind, but it's based on this true story of this. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen a trailer for that. Yes. She's yes. very good in it. Um, uh, so is, um, Oh my gosh, Annette Penning. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, they're both exquisite. Yeah, in it. well, oh. apparently she's earning Oscar buzz for this, so I must check out the movie. And she's in the new season of True Detective, which is out in the new year, which I am very excited about. But she's obviously doing lots of promo or whatever, and she's been asked about superhero movies, and she called it a phase. She said a phase that's lasted too long for me, but it's a phase, and I've seen so many different phases. Uh, in terms of the good superhero movies, in her opinions, uh, she said uh, Iron Man, Black Panther, and The Matrix, which I'm not. Sure, I'm guessing she's not that familiar with the yeah. genre then, really. She said, I marvel at those movies and I'm swept up in the entertainment of it, but that's not why I became an actor and those movies don't change my life. Hopefully there'll be room for everything else. So, Jodie's done with. Jodie's yeah. done with Marvel as well. If it's a phase, it's going on forever. <laughs> yeah, it feels yeah. long. Yeah, and now it is about a woman who is in her 50s or 60s and, yeah. and swims 100 miles or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an extraordinary uh, story, and they show like footage of her like at the end and everything. Not to give anything away, but you see her at them them standing with their like real life car- counterparts, and it's just just a gorgeous story. And you know what? We just we don't see stories about women in that age demographic yeah, ever. Yeah, and they're yeah. both they're both extraordinary in it. It's a gorgeous film. If you haven't seen it, Nyad N Y A D is the name of it on Netflix. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Movies and booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer. On News Talk. Uh, we were talking about the world being over uh, stuffed with sequels, but there's going to be a Beetlejuice too. Well, it's done. Actually, they finished filming it, haven't yes, they? Yes. Uh, I think the actor strike had delayed things. I think they had two days left of filming and then obviously the sag after strike kind of threw everything uh, up in the air. But yeah, it's finished. So I'd imagine we'll get it probably at some stage next year leading up to Halloween. Most of the original cast coming back, Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara, and then in terms of new faces, we have Jenna Ortega, who we know from Wednesday, Willem Dafoe, Monica Bellucci, and uh, Justin Theroux. I know Michael Keaton has spoken about it previously, and he said it's Tim Burton's very much like back to 
back to basics, all practical effects, not a lot of CGI and all that jazz. So the only thing I will say is there's enough time between this and the fir- and the first one. You know what I mean? That's mm. a long wait. Will it be justified? I don't know, but at least they're not. I don't feel like, okay, this was too soon. This is like, okay, there's enough goodwill and enough nostalgia there. I'm like, all right, let's let's see, Mr. Burton. Let's see how you do. But there'd be a whole generation of people who would have no idea what Beetlejuice was and go, yeah. what is this? Yeah, that's the thing as well. But again, you, if you have someone like Jenna Ortega who's transferring from, yeah, that's, has that that's young audience one. from Wednesday yeah. to be like, it was very cute on their part casting her, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, because she's huge. Among, she is huge. Among, even like Wednesday, because you have to be, I don't know, I think there's an age thing on Netflix about watching Wednesday. Mm. But my daughter's eight and is a huge fan of Wednesday and I don't think has seen an episode of it. Just because it's everywhere else. Yeah. You know, it's on Roblox as a kind of Wednesday game you can play. And she dressed up as Wednesday for Halloween. It kind of like... so insidious. Like kicked off the Adams Family like aesthetic again. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of gave it a new lease of life. Yeah, that's interesting that she's never watched, but she's familiar with it. Yeah, I know she'd find it way too scary. (laughs) (laughs) She just likes the idea of it, you know, more than anything else. And uh, Suits is uh, something I've never watched the second of is Suits. Yeah. It's going to get an L.A. spin-off. Where was the original one set? New York, I think. I would have watched it and I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was New York. Um, yeah, getting an L.A., uh, uh, I was about to say sequel, a spin-off uh, written by Aaron Korsh, who created the original series. Um, the new show will be set in the same time frame uh, and promises the same energy and good-looking people that the original had. So we're going to get some new version of Meghan Markle, I would imagine. But I, this is fully just off the back of how popular it's become this year in the States being put on streaming because it came onto Netflix or some ah, other equivalent right. streamer and it's been like the most streamed programme for weeks and weeks and weeks. Gosh. So you have buyers looking at it being like, okay, this is so lucrative. Let's just do it again, but somewhere else. So we'll And that's see. probably just because of Meghan Markle, I'm guessing. I mean, it's a very easy watch as well. You know what I mean? Like it's very uh, kind of by the books, lots of episodes there. Like it's kind of an ideal binge. I wouldn't mm. just put it down to her, especially because she's not really in it towards the end. So, Okay. Uh, what was it about? This fella basically has, he can't get into law school <laughs> for some reason that I can't remember, but he uh, has a photographic memory. So then he kind of cheats his way into a law firm because of that. So he's grappling with hiding that secret while also working with this mentor, Harvey Specter fella. And then he's obviously falling in love with Meghan Markle, who's a paralegal. And yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Was it any good? <laughs> you seem interested. Uh, no, no, not really. Yeah. Um, I I kind of liked it initially and then I fell off. It was it was fine. Like it's yeah. It's it's no, I actually I must look at it because it must be kind of weird to look at Meghan Markle act as somebody, whereas she you it's know her, very her image as so you know is so ingrained now as who she is now. Yeah, and she used to just be Rachel Zane, paralegal, just desperate to be a lawyer. There you go. Yeah. Now she's Meghan Markle. So yeah, desperate to be a. Has there to be a question mark? Is she a princess? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Let's uh, let's have a, okay. a glass of red wine, Jean. All right. Now we're going to do the room. Um, this is the 2021 Pepperbox Shiraz. It's 13.50 and it's very widely available. It's in supermarkets and independent off licenses. About 22 years ago, Australian family John Castella uh, launched a, a brand called Yellowtail, and it. It went yeah, global, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Yellowtail came to Ireland first in 2005 and I think it's nine. It's number nine in the top 20 wine brands. So it's very popular. This is made by the Castella family and it's the next level up. Um, it's a premium wine uh, from the range and it's, <clears throat> excuse me, 
brand new to the um, Irish market. Now, they have four varietals. They've Shiraz, Malbec, Chardonnay and Rosé. But as far as I know, it's only the Shiraz that's here in this market at the moment. Um, the fruit comes from South Australia, which is basically Adelaide Hills down as far as Kunawara. I would imagine they probably source some of the food for, from Kunawara and Pathway for, uh, for this. This is aimed, you know, at people who like to cook. This is, this is, this is a food wine, right? And they have a really, and, it, and, and it's also aimed at a younger audience. Both wines are very much aimed at, 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 at kind of Generation Z and, you know, every, they've all got, you know, social media sites. And I looked at the Pepperbox um, um, Instagram um, page and they, they actually have this, I show you how to cook steak, uh, but you crunch up coffee beans and spread them on. I've never done that, actually. I must try it. And apparently it's lovely and it goes really well with the wine. So, you know, give it a try and see what you think. Um, and if it's horrible, don't blame me, right? Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> to be honest. Well, anyway. So, um, they, look, Australian Shiraz, a bit like New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, it does exactly what it says in the tip. It's a very popular wine style and particularly on this market. And I personally, I love... Shiraz, which is Syrah, which is the great red grape mm. of the Northern Rhone. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's peppery, it's spicy, it's got dark, concentrated kind of uh, black currant fruit. Um, this one has lots of coffee and mocha. And just smell it. Like, it's like, literally, it's so coffee and, and smoky on the mm. nose. And then when you try it, yeah, dark fruit flavours, a peppery finish. That's the Syrah for you. Um I'd say this would go if you put coffee beans on your steak. Um, I'd say I think yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, oh, I've heard of it that. as well, I mean, but I, I haven't tried I it. Love pepper, like I love pepper sauce on steak. Oh, you know, I think that's mm. gorgeous. So yeah, I, I reckon that would work. Right, the coffee beans, you kind of put them on the steak and then you, you grind them. them. Yeah, you yeah. grind them first and then put them on the steak while you're cooking them. While you're them. cooking okay. it. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. So yeah, I mean, pepper box Shiraz, thirteen fifty. Um Lots of fruit, very nicely made. Um, I love the coffee chocolate character coming through. Um, yeah, definitely worth a try. Okay, right. We'll move over to uh, move on to our second movie of the day. It is Candy Cane Lane. Here's a clip. Ah, uh, what's all this? What's what this? What is all that? You said to get a plan, so I got a plan. Ugh. Okay. Hey, look. I know it looks like a lot, but I got to do something spectacular, okay. like something they've never seen before. Okay. Well, be- ooh, I was talking about a plan. For after Christmas. Mm. Yes. Like, maybe update your LinkedIn. Telling your vendors. Letting people know you're back on the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be good, be good. You know why? Why? Because I'm going to win Candy Cane Lane. Oh, my love. I know that this is something that's so important to you, but I think that you need to consider the idea that you might not win. But, oh, well, I also might not not win. Okay, you know what? Let's go, guys. Come on. Let's go. Let's go yes. to school. Get the show on the road. Hey, can you bring Holly to school today? I don't know if I can do that because I got a lot of stuff to do today. I'm really busy. Really? I got to get a thousand icicles. Oh God. Okay, well, I got to go to work. Okay, touche. Touche. Okay, you're going to work. Uh-huh. Okay. You got it? I will handle it. Thank you. Thank you, my love. All right, I love you. Love you too. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'm not going to school, am I? Don't be ridiculous. Of course you're not. Hey, uh, my kind of dad. Uh, funny enough, we started the, the show talking about how it's a thing now people have more than one Christmas tree in the house uh, and they put the posh one in the window and it's kind of a competition with the other neighbours. Yeah. So is, this film is kind of about that sort of thing, is it? Well, it's more about, you know, when you go by the houses and they're all like 
lights all over the place, like big blow up stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, well, in this case, um, the Eddie Murphy plays a carpenter. So he has all these like big wooden structures at the front of his house. So this is about, you know, those people who go all, all out when it comes to decorating the house, not just having their two Christmas trees, but like lights everywhere. Like you can see them from outer space, that kind of stuff. Like mm. it's so, so bright. So it's more like that kind of level of Christmas house decorations. We're okay, except that he, he's actually going to get a cash prize for this, is he? Yes, that yeah. is the hope. So he has just uh, lost his job. So he's a, a, you know, husband and father of three. So obviously that's caused a lot of uh, concern. And this um, house decorating competition, the prize for it is $100,000. Okay. So the stakes could not be uh, higher. So he basically wanders into this like Christmas decoration shop and he sees this big elaborate uh, tree structure thing which depicts the 12 days of Christmas and he goes to the cashier who seems to be just acting a little bit suspicious but um, you know he kind of signs this document or whatever and he gets this tree you know sets it up in the front of his house and everything and basically what happens is the 12 days of Christmas that this decoration portrays come to life and he has to go around and kind of um, complete this task to do with that in order to save himself from not turning into a little plastic doll because it turns out that this uh, cashier lady is actually an evil elf. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, yes. that. I, I did not expect that. that that's total left turn. Yeah, no, no, yeah. No. This is all. This is all within minutes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And she's played by uh, Gillian Bell, who people might uh, recognise. She was in uh, the twenty twenty two Jump Street. Would it be uh, the sequel with mm. uh, Jonah Hill and uh, Channing Tatum? And she's been in some other things as well. Brittany runs a marathon and stuff like that. Um, Eddie Murphy's uh, character's wife in this is played by Tracy Ellis Ross. I absolutely adore her in basically everything. I I see. So, I mean, she's one of the highlights for me. And there were moments where, like, I genuinely laughed out loud and I did have a bit of fun with this movie. But overall, it's fairly mediocre. It's probably too long. It's about an hour, 50 minutes, Mm, which I think is unnecessary uh, running length. And I mean, uh, the part where it got the most interesting for me was probably about 40 to 50 minutes in when the decorations come to life. And there's something like slightly more sinister in the tone. Now, bear in mind, this is primarily targeted at, you know, kids and a family type of audience. So it never goes like evil, evil. But I just liked, oh, there's something like a bit kind of interesting and spooky happening mm. here but it never goes like overly dark either but like look it's kind of it's fine as a movie and you have to bear in mind anybody who's expecting like Eddie Murphy to be at his most Eddie Murphy self we have to remember Beverly Hills Cop was out 40 years ago yeah, yeah. so anyone who's expecting him to kind of come at it at that level I think they will be disappointed well, he's in dad roles now. Yeah, really, that's kind you know. of what he does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like he's found his niche there. And mm. I mean, maybe when we see Beverly Hills Cop 4 and he returns to that iconic role of Axel Foley, we can expect like more of that kind of energy. Um, but now, like aside from starring in movies, he's kind of producing. Mm. So he's in that kind of role as well. So maybe his focus isn't on the kind of, you know, ad-libbing, smart-alecky kind of stuff that yeah. we would have known him for it's in the family. past. Because I suppose a film like this, really, if we're realistic about it, it's for kids yeah. and for adults to watch when they've got a hangover. Uh, <laughs> and therefore, they have no critical facilities at all. Exactly. Uh, they're not going to be going, oh, that was an interesting subplot there in the second act. I mean, like uh, back in the, like, you know, 90s to 2000s, maybe even earlier, we would have had like, you know, all these Hallmark Christmas movies made. Yeah. And basically the new form of that is this direct-to-streaming movie. So, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Uh, uh, fair enough. I suppose it can't hurt. Uh, <laughs> and you get to lie down for an hour 50. There's the, exactly. there's the best review you can give it. Uh, Fanula, Jean and, and uh, uh, Deirdre, thank you all very much for coming in. Movies and booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer.
on News Talk.